This reading is from the book of John, chapter 13. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a while longer. You will look, at, you will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should always love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you. That short and sweet but full um, passage from John's Gospel, as Pastor Beth said, we're back into John's Gospel here. Um, and she also kind of mentioned the, the theme for this message tonight. Um, what makes us the church? That's the first question. And the second one, is it love or is it something else? Um, I want to segue into this a little bit with a story. Last Thursday, uh, Mount Olivet hosted a funeral uh, for a 46-year-old man who was not a member of this congregation but a, a part of the larger community around Mount Olivet um, who died suddenly in a car crash. He had two young children. Some of you might have been there or know people who were at the service. And um, whenever there's a funeral like that, especially one that's so tragic and so unexpected, any death is hard, but there are certain there are certain um, situations uh, around death that are particularly challenging um, for the people that are gathered. I often do uh, something, and that is to kind of acknowledge that, to address that head on. And by the way, um, I was very proud of this congregation in terms of how our staff and others kind of represented the whole community and showing such care and hospitality to this family and their extended family and friends as well. So I oftentimes will um, um, kind of name the reality that sometimes words, words of comfort as well-meaning as they are, just don't get it done in a situation like this. And sometimes I'm even this direct, which I was the other day. I said to the people who had gathered, this was not his time. And his better place would have been to be with his family for many years to come. Let's be real, folks. That's important. But then also to share words of promise. Of course, that God is in the midst, uh, with us in the midst of our suffering, that God creates a future for us even in death and despite death and beyond death. But here's the thing, and this is what I'm getting to. I think the most, most helpful thing that I could say was to remind them, remind those who had gathered something that they already knew and were experiencing, and that is that what would get them through their grief, or at least make it more bearable, were not any words that I had to say, as helpful as they might be. But what would ultimately get them through was the love that they experienced from those around them. 
and that and knowing that though they walked through the darkest valley they would not take that walk alone they would be surrounded by people and community who loved and cared for for them in fact i will tell you honestly that's why i'm part of the church <laughs> because i need to be a part of a community of meaning uh, that, that, has, that extends beyond itself, that thinks outside of me into the world. That's another sermon for another day. Uh, <laughs> I've heard from people time after time that the greatest gift they receive from their faith community, congregations like this one, Mount Olivet, is love and care and support in the midst of suffering and grief. When things are hard, you have a community around you. Of course, the words of promise are comforting. The taste of Holy Communion and the baptismal waters are comforting. But what makes God's presence come alive so often is the love and care and support we receive from each other. We do not do church alone. We are not faithful people, believing people, whatever you want to say you are as a Christian alone. According to Jesus, in the context of John's gospel, it is this very thing that would allow people to see us for who we really are. Disciples or followers of Jesus, those who love each other and love the world. So, of course, when people think of any Christian congregation, of course what they think of is those are the people who love each other. Really love each other and care for each other. That's what they think, right? Every single time, right? But my experience, and I could see from some of your faces, limited though it may be, is that love may not be the first thing people think of when they look into the church from the outside. More common, perhaps, is the view that the church is organized exclusively around a set of beliefs. And of course, there is truth in this. The church has the scriptures, which are foundational to how we understand God to be at work, not just back then, but now in the world. The church has symbols and practices that capture what we believe about God, like the creed and baptism and Holy Communion, which we'll celebrate in a few minutes. But the perception may be that even those positive affirmations lead us to take stands about who's in and who's out, or who's going to heaven and who's not. Something you probably never hear about here at Mount Olivet. So some might say the church cares more about judgment than mercy. Or that there is something we must do, some rules that we must keep in order to be acceptable to God. The Pew Foundation, Pew Forum on Public Life, part of the, the Pew Foundation, which studies all kinds of religious and legal and educational um, stuff in our country. The Pew Forum on Public Life released a study a few years ago, released a study a few years ago about the increasing number of people who are religiously unaffiliated. They are much more likely than the public overall to say that churches and other religious organizations are too concerned with money and power, too focused on rules. So we have, may have that perception about uh, other churches and people who are not part of any church certainly that have that perception about us and other congregations. So often those of us who seek to be defined not by rules, not by a strict set of beliefs as much as love or something else, 
um, who want to be known for love and acceptance and forgiveness and the promise of grace um, still feel like we're in the minority. So what is there for us to do positively as we seek to participate in God's mission in the world? Forget about what other people think. What is there for us to do? I had a professor uh, years ago who would make a point to tell every class more than once a semester how much he hated the song that we're going to sing in a few minutes. <laughs> and uh, it's, I know, they will know we are Christians by our love. Now, I like that song, and I still do. And back then I was intimidated by this old codger, but now I probably, if he were still living, bless his soul, I would challenge him on this. Um, there are scripture passages, he would say, by the way, he would say, they will not know we are Christians by our love, but by our confession, by our witness, by our proclamation that Jesus is Lord. So there are scripture passages, certainly, that emphasize our witness and our proclamation. But here, according to Jesus, in John's gospel, love is our witness. Love is the statement we make to the world. And Jesus talks particularly about our love for one another. So here's something interesting. Karen Armstrong, one of the great scholars of world religions, not just Christianity, but world religions, writes that it was not until the 17th century that the word belief, I'm doing a lot of air quotes today, forgive me for that. I, I got to stop doing that. That's just like... <laughs> it was not until the 17th century that the word belief became associated with accepting certain ideas about God as factual or agreeing to a checklist that we use to account for who's in and who's out. Up until that time, she writes, belief and love meant pretty much the same thing. Belief and love meant pretty much the same thing. To believe was to love or to hold dear. So the next time that we confess the creed, like tonight, we might try to think of it this way. Um, I love God the Father. I love Jesus Christ. I love the Holy Spirit. So one thing we can do is to take seriously this call to love God and one another because it matters. It matters to us, and it matters to the world. Another thing we can do, speaking of the world, is to think about the location of where we are the church. It's very important that we understand that we don't go to church. We are the church, wherever we are. Mount Olivet's um, vision is quite clear about this. We are a community partnering with God in the world, this is part of the world right here, but in, in the world is beyond this place. Today at our staff meeting, somebody said, we should have a sign as you leave worship or you leave the building on Sunday night or Wednesday night, Sunday morning or Wednesday night or anytime you leave, we should have a sign that says, the church is leaving the building. You know, like Elvis has left the building. The church is leaving the building. Every time somebody walks out the door, the church is leaving the building. The building isn't the church. The church is the people. So that's the location. 
It's very important to have a place to gather, to hear and taste and bathe in God's word and to offer thanks and praise to God as worship, right? And there are wonderful ways that we can use this building, all 50,000 square feet of it, to love one another and to serve others. And we work hard at doing that here at Mount Olivet. But the location of God's mission is here and in the world. It's in Minneapolis, it's in Tanzania, and it's right here in our own neighborhoods right around this building. Douglas John Hall says that what distinguishes the church from the world is that the church knows something about the world that it doesn't usually know about itself, and that is that it is greatly loved by God. This uh, a week ago tomorrow, I was down at uh, 7th Street and Hennepin at 1st Avenue, 1st First Avenue and 7th Street with the 15,000 other people who were there um, because Prince died, right? And so what do you do when someone dies? You show up. Well, this was an interesting experience for me. And one of the things that I noticed is that it was, it was people of all ages, all genders, all races, all socioeconomic realities, all brought together around this. Um, not around Jesus, but around Prince, but think about it. He was somebody uh, who brought people together, who kind of cut through the things that divide us. So when we see life, all of life, as the location of the church or the body of Christ, and to see God at work in the midst of things that at first may appear not to have anything to do with God, when we start looking at that, we quickly see that it's not enough for us to simply love and care for each other, but also to love and care for the world. Yes, by partnering with the God in the world. See, the church is in the world because God loves the world. Amen.